We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Edwin is intercepted by Sam Mills. Oh! Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. He steps up, throws for the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! This one is picked again. Intercepted by Boston. Bridgewater. Throw into the end zone. Touchdown. Samuel still on his feet. Inside the five. To the end zone. Touchdown. What a play. And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. He is McCaffrey. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. Keep pounding on three. One, two, three. Keep pounding. Hello, Panthers fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Roar Podcast on Blue Wire. John Ellis here along with Billy Marshall. Man, what a great week. Thanksgiving is right ahead of us. A big holiday season about to kick off. And the Panthers are winners again. 20 to nothing against Detroit. The first shutout this team has put together in five years. Uh, you know, for all the talk about their defense, they go from giving up 46 points one week to a turnaround I haven't seen from the Panthers ever in the 26 years I've followed them, going from a 40-plus game to uh, blanking a team. Uh, So just let's dive right into it. Your thoughts, Billy, uh, on a totality scale from what you saw from start to finish from Carolina. Yeah, so the first few possessions, I was genuinely shocked that Detroit was just attempting to run the ball with Adrian Peterson, 37-year-old, who really does not have the same type of skill that he did in his heyday. So I was very surprised that they were not attempting to throw the ball, especially because uh, they have some really talented skill players. We went over them on Thursday. So I feel like that set the tone a little bit. And Carolina, I I would say, did get a little fortunate, too, with the fumble luck. Uh, By that, I mean they were able to recover Detroit's fumble, and Carolina also fumbled the ball a couple times that they were able to recover. Right. So it didn't. I know they threw the two interceptions, which we'll get into later, but I felt they got a little fortunate there. But at the same time, I think that you have to give credit to the defense. And I'm not just talking about the defensive line. I know everyone is, including myself, really excited about Brian Burns' performance, but I think you have to give it to all levels. Zach Kerr had a strong game. The linebackers, Shaq Thompson in particular, had a strong game. And you got to give it to the safeties in the secondary and, and the cornerbacks in the secondary as a whole. 
Uh, those guys played really well. Stanley Thomas Oliver played 20 snaps, seventh round rookie. Yeah. Uh, he had a pretty good game. Uh, Chin played well. Troy Pride, he had a strong game. So overall, and who do you give the credit to that leads that unit? The defensive coordinator. And I've been just, right. we've mentioned on the show, like that the Phil Snow discussion has just gone off the rails because fans are becoming way too emotional about the subject and they just want people fired. <laughs> yes. Like after every yeah, poor you result. You can't fire people halfway through your first season doing this. It's an absurd notion. Exactly. And if you just look back at Snow's time at Baylor, it took like a couple years before they were able to master his scheme. Right, and he was right. doing it with recruits coming in and out every two, three years. Right. So now that he's going to be hopefully establishing finding better personnel because I still feel like the personnel is still not there despite this performance outside of a few players, given better players. And I think you'll start to see the defense really turn around, but all the notion, all the talk that I've, and people were still trying to fire him after I tweeted out <laughs> that what I did yesterday, I was like shaming all everyone for who won Phil Snow. Billy's, fire, got, Billy's got the receipts y'all. Billy keeps those receipts. So I just, I never understood it. Like to be honest with you and yeah. this defense, despite worse talent is better than last year's defense. Absolutely. Yo, so you're, you're spot you on. See, he, you know, yeah. Phil, he, I had, I had some question marks. Now, I, I wouldn't say I had, you know, crazy harebrained doubts about his ability to function in the NFL game. I thought he could do okay. I just didn't know if this was the best best path to go forward in terms of an all-college type of staff. But once I got to see what he was doing and building, you know, you get into the season, you understand what your limitations are scheme-wise versus personnel-wise. You have to do some things to protect your personnel. So I think some of the, you know, the three-man rush thing people talk about, a little bit overblown, I think, because they do some good blitzing off of that they're just getting home a little more frequently in a game like yesterday versus some other teams where you know they they don't have success because honestly they're overmatched so with phil give him credit for putting together a game plan and having his guys ready to go obviously to hear whitehead was not in the game he was injured and uh, carter played very well and ability you know we've watched this team over the years they, they finally look like defensively they had sort of a cohesive energy about them yesterday. I know, it, you know Detroit did a poor job in that game. We get that. But did you sense that there was just a, a lot of, from the first snap of the game, there was just a consistent energy there. Yeah, no, I, I certainly agree. I, I would say like every, like I said, every level of the defense was there. And I, I felt like this defense in particular, they've been really good at tackling and, and playing with a sense of urgency. They've never really quit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you could see that last year in parts of uh, the end of Rivera's tenure, you, you saw, I wouldn't say quit, but you definitely saw effort not being 100%. Sure, and yeah. this season, I've always seen the effort be 100%. And I've always seen them, even despite them, um, you know, giving up long, big plays and just not playing well on defense in certain areas. You've always seen effort be 100%. And I've never questioned that. And that's, I think, the hallmark of coaching is that they're still buying in and they're still giving it their all despite some talent deficiencies. And maybe they're not understanding the scheme as well as they should. And so I think that's a credit to coaching. And this is not me trying to just stick up for him. I'm just trying to take the long view here and be a little more nuanced. And instead of firing a coach who is first year in the NFL with a talent group that many expected to be the worst in the NFL. I don't, don't think that's have anything to really work with Billy. You're right. It's, yeah. That's not controversial. Empty. Like it's everyone a very young, empty roster and some of the veterans that are there, they're not glamorous. So you're dealing yeah, with some, most, some duct tape at times. Most. Yeah. Most projections had this defense as one of the f- bottom five, if not, Sure. The worst in the NFL. Most projections had them at half the wins they've got now. So I mean, exactly. Well, that well, they're almost there. Vegas yeah, had it saying, five you know, and a half, it, six, two, three wins for a lot of publications out there. So you know, the thing here, we're, we're going to dive into the defense all, all throughout the show at the end, especially, but kind of kind of tail back into the offense here and how they performed early on. Again, we had the interceptions. We'll get to that. But, you know, I I thought they did a good job with PJ in terms of right off the bat, putting him out there in a comfort zone, getting a quick hitter to Robbie Anderson. Of course, they had to punt that drive, but they started with some good movement. Uh, Let's start with PJ Walker. Your impressions on his first NFL start? 
Um, yeah, this it, it was pretty interesting. Uh, certainly, the interceptions were not ideal. Right. Uh, <laughs> not at all. I, I want to say something about the second one. But as far as his overall performance for a backup quarterback who didn't know he was starting maybe like two hours before the game, <laughs> I'm sure he was preparing to start because Bridgewater's injury status was in question throughout the week. But... I thought he did well. He did well. I mean, he took what the defense gave him. I thought the offensive line protected him very well. Uh, and that's probably a partial product of Detroit's inability to rush to passer. That certainly helped. And Carolina, they ran the ball okay. They didn't do anything spectacular. He took what the defense gave him. Exactly. And he was able to also connect a few times right. um, with DJ Moore. He also used his legs to uh, not necessarily scramble, but to... Um, open up throwing lanes. You saw it on that long uh, completion. uh, Actually, a couple of completions to DJ Moore where uh, PJ scrambled outside the tackle box and he was able to uh, connect with him. And you saw that a couple of times. And 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 so that was encouraging. So uh, overall, a pretty solid game that what would you expect from uh, a, a backup quarterback? But I do feel like Maybe the offense was had a little bit of issues with the uh, play calling a little bit. I felt like I know, um, mm. you know, people might take exception to that, but I did think like earlier in the game, especially in the first half, they they kept calling these mesh concepts, which is essentially these um, crossing routes underneath, and it was getting a little too redundant. And I, I felt like, especially against this Lions defense that's been struggling in man coverage, right, right, it, it would be better to call some more. Uh, downfield shots because I mean you saw DJ oh, yeah. Moore just completely like oh, was burning them. Yeah, yeah, we talked to Jeff Risden. What did he say, Bill? They play a lot of man. They don't do it well. And I kept taking that message with me when I looked at the film. That it got you. This is if somebody could just get the ball to this group, they could have a big day. All three of them. And of course, Robbie didn't, but he was adequate. The other two combined for two hundred yards. DJ and uh, Curtis and. I don't, you know, PJ, like you said, you know, the, the, the throw he had to more, I don't want to make too much of it, but you see so few of those vertical shots around these parts anymore. It was refreshing to see him, you know, and sort of an 11 personnel, just put it out there. Nice little dart, put it in the little bucket there and uh, it gets things going, gets the energy level up early on. You know, some of the deep shots we've had with Bridgewater have been sort of late in games when they're climbing back, but to start out with a big play like that, I think was huge, but you're right. I mean, coming off sort of a, a week of uncertainty, I thought Matt Rule did a really good job, by the way, throughout that week of not over-communicating, not saying too much to the media, keeping it simple, and, you know, waiting till the last second. Even if he thought Bridgewater couldn't play, put him out there, let him warm up, and give him a shot. Because Bridgewater's got to evaluate himself and put some tape out there, too, for his future. It's important for him to play. But I couldn't have asked for much more than P.J. The two interceptions, here's what I'll say about that. You know, I've looked at it. They weren't good at all. You know how that field does shrink in the red zone, especially down at the goal line. You don't want to excuse it. But the game moves a lot faster for a young guy, first time, uh, truncated field. So I think that's one of those things, unlike, you know, mechanics or whatever that can be fixed. Uh, and obviously he responded pretty well from it. He didn't go in the tank. Uh, but, yeah, I thought the the balance was good. They continued to run the ball with Mike Davis. They had 34 carries as a team, uh, 116 yards. And, uh, you know, again, I, I think from the receiving perspective, we'll, we'll dive into the, the players individually here, but I think they did a good job of getting their, their guys involved as the game wore on. But to your point, talk about this a little bit too. I think maybe they've sort of worn out those mesh concepts a, a little too much over the past few weeks, not just yesterday. I mean, I think they, with Bridgewater especially, continue to be a little bit predictable at times with how they're utilizing they're very good weapons. Um, so when you see that, are you thinking that's more of a thing that's been trending with Joe Brady, or is it just a yesterday thing for you? I think it was just a yesterday thing for me. With Bridgewater, okay. it's a little different because you understand his uh, strengths and weaknesses. Sure. And at the same time, I do feel like they diversify their route concepts and they're able to get uh, receivers going in different parts of the field to really switch it up. And I think it's fine to call um, those sort of concepts multiple times a game. Um, you know, if I remember correctly, uh, when I was watching the Chip Kelly Eagles, they, they used to call those mesh concepts like at least 20 times a game. Mm. Um, so it, it's not necessarily the amount you're calling it. I just feel like if it's working, then keep doing it. And I, I do feel like it works when you have Bridgewater because he understands how to get to his drops real quickly. He, he can uh, keep his head up and kind of 
move safeties and linebackers around with their head. And that's not really necessarily an area that Walker is uh, probably advanced at right now. So right. you just have to kind of give him a little more time uh, to master. But I, I felt for what PJ does well, uh, his arm strength for one is much better than Bridgewater's. And he is much better on the on the move. So I felt like they should have called it more a little more play action boot concepts, which they do allow with Bridgewater, and maybe have him just in general like go under center play action or uh, RPO. Totally agree. Uh, concepts. So totally. for me, I, I just think it, it, it's it, it's a difficult situation for the coaches and the players. I mean, you can't yeah. really uh, put it two other ways. You have a uncertainty a quarterback and then you're rolling with this guy uh, again i'm sure they plan for it but still even if you give him um even if we assume that walker was starting the entire week it's still a difficult situation for no uh, a guy making his nfl debut in that situation and for everyone to be fully prepared so it's, it's going to take learning time uh for them to be totally acclimated with his strengths and weaknesses that's that's exactly right well, i want to dive into the offensive line here in a minute really because i've got some thoughts and i know you do as well, but just to recap, P.J. Walker, 24 of 34, 258, uh, was sacked once, uh, had a touchdown throw, a nice one there in the corner to Samuel, and uh, the two picks obviously were not good. So hopefully that's something he can learn from. Mike Davis, 19 carries, 64 yards, still very efficient in the running game. Uh, they did get D.J. a touch there, 21 yards. And Smith, uh, who's new to the roster here, also got involved. And uh, from the receiving game, just to give you guys a recap, 10 targets, 8 catches for Samuel, 70 yards, touchdown. Uh, DJ had 7 for 127. Robbie, 7 for 46. Trending a little down of late, but again, like I told people earlier, he's not disappearing. It's just you only have so many mouths you can feed here, so give it some time. Uh, But yeah, offensive line-wise, let's dive into that. I saw your post about Chris Reed, and for all the struggles he had earlier this season with – playing backwards on on roller skates and pass protection he uh he played a pretty good game right yeah he played really well uh i just thought the offensive line in general played well not just him but dennis daly had a strong game despite playing 26 uh 28 snaps uh moton again another strong performance by him pass blocking and run blocking mm-hmm. um so yeah just i did feel like the left tackle was not as strong this week um but yeah, overall, uh, a pretty good game by the offensive line. I think they were aided by the fact that Detroit did not really have a pass rush and they didn't really try anything to generate pressure. So it just made it a lot, life a lot easier for the Panthers. Yeah. And again, like I said, we've talked about this all week long with Detroit, what to expect. I think it was fairly predictable that two things would happen. Number one, there wouldn't be a lot of pressure on whomever was taking snaps. And number two, these wide receivers would win in man coverage. And you had it right there. So the difference was, uh, honestly, the quarterback made the throws he had to make in between the 20s, and they played good football. Uh, As we transition to defense in a minute here, I thought offensively, it was great, and defense had a hand in this, too, with how many struggles they've had in the third quarter. It's been a bit of a, a – a, <laughs> they've been bleeding out in the third quarter this year in terms of regenerating some momentum after halftime. And they came out and did a great job. They scored 10 points there unanswered. Uh, they got Detroit off the field, did a nice job offensively of mixing things up. And uh, I was impressed by that, as well as the quarterback, you know, again, throwing the picks, but also, you know, not getting too down on himself, understanding, hey, it happens. They've got my back. Let's move forward and keep moving the ball. And uh, it's a very good system to play in, too, as you've said. So, Joe Brady, hell of a job getting him ready. And I, I'm glad they went with him. Um, I think you made the comment this week, and maybe it was uh, Jeff, I don't know, but having PJ in there against a less athletic defense would probably be a good idea other than, you know, putting Will Greer in, which uh, we've seen Will, and I don't know what to think of him, but PJ showed at the very least, you know, he could be a solid backup at this point. So uh, that's a win. You put some good stuff on tape and you get a better idea of where you're at with, uh, with PJ Walker. So, you know, offensively, it's some missed opportunities, but, you know, again, a, a tough week to prepare. And you didn't have your quarterback. You didn't have your running back. You have some guys banged up on the offensive line. Russell Okun is still not playing, unfortunately. So they're making the best of what they've got uh, as we – Yeah, just to speak on the on the second interception, that was yeah. not a good route by DJ Moore. No, right. I, I totally agree. That, that was uh, – I, I, I'll blame him for the first interception. I just thought that was – he could have placed that ball uh, near the back of the end zone and just thrown it away. I mean, sure. it was a difficult throw regardless. But that second one, if DJ Moore actually, like, explodes a little better through his routes yep. or through his cuts, then you, he probably had a chance 
at receiving. I know a lot of people say, oh, there's four defenders back there, but he did not do a good job of selling it, which just made it way too predictable. Um, I mean, certainly you sh- he shouldn't be throwing it, but at the same time, the receiver deserves his share of blame there uh, because, I mean, otherwise Moore had a really good game, but that was um, a little sure kind of negative. Um, it, that, that was a negative in his performance, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, you're exactly right. You got to look closer at these picks and these drops and everything that might happen in the course of a game that can affect a win or loss. Fortunately, it did not affect uh, anything because the defense, after those two picks, played lights out and uh, on a quick change situation, turned it right back around and forced turnovers or punts on their own. So uh, again, to, to expect a quarterback to come in in his first start and be flawless is a little too much, I think. Uh, but you can't throw two picks in the end zone as an offense. So you have to be moving. If you're going to call that play when you're leading, again, Joe Brady, uh, I don't mind it so much in that situation because you're not really in a playoff contention type of high stakes game here. And it's good to see what your quarterback can do in that situation. Uh, maybe running the ball would have been more uh, of a good idea there. I don't know with a young guy quarterback, but Hey, you learn, you move from it. It's not an exhibition game, obviously, but again, the stakes weren't too high to where that uh, throw isn't going to kill you. So, I was just impressed by the fact that uh, the quarterback uh, was able to do some good things out of structure, uh, as well as the receivers at times coming back for the ball when things broke down. I think it was a pretty good performance uh, with the other play notwithstanding that you mentioned from DJ. But defensive uh, football was the story here for Carolina. I mean, let's just look at the numbers here on a high level. We'll get into some of the player grades. Ten first downs. For the- you know, thanks to a lack of natural athleticism, commitment, or even overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Lions, obviously they've got a few guys out. I get that, but they're still, you know, a very good offense with a very good quarterback and some weapons. Three of 14 on third down and one of three on fourth down. So that's four of what, 17? That's a whole new world for Carolina. I mean, you're talking about not forcing what, but maybe three or four punts over the past quarter of the season. And then boom, you're forcing six. Uh, the running game early on, I totally agree with you. Uh, Daryl Bevel, uh, I don't know what the thought process there was, whether maybe the thumb was just not right at all for Matt. I, I suspect that maybe was the case. But trying to establish a run with a, a running back who's been playing since, what, 2006? I just think that was a bad way to go there. Uh, but credit Carolina for, you know, Jermaine Carter in there, fitting the run, doing good things. Up front, they do a nice job controlling the point of attack and making sure the run game wasn't going to fit the, or kill them in some type of bad run fit where it goes for 90 yards. Um, <laughs> but the first six punts was just outstanding. Uh, we'll start that. The pressures were great, too. High level, just from a total view, how do you see this defense from yesterday? Is it a mirage, Billy, because it's Detroit? Or can we maybe build on this and be a little positive moving forward about what they're looking at? I, I think it is certainly a, you could bring up the opponent, and I'm fine with that uh, because again, when I tweeted that, everyone just got on my case that said, "Oh, this is the Detroit Lions; they're terrible." Fair <laughs> enough. If you want, if you want to feel that way about how they played, I'm all for it. But you, let, let's talk about facts, okay? Right. Detroit is currently 14th in the league in offense, according to DVOA. So Correct. this isn't some bottom five offense that, no. I mean, if it was like the Washington or the Jets or the Broncos. Exactly. Fair enough. You're the, right. Detroit is still an above average offense. They yes. have talent. Okay. And we cannot just sit here and gloss over that fact. I mean, it, we're, we're going to, the talent that they have should be much better than the talent we have on that side of the ball. Totally agree. Totally agree. So for me, it's not necessarily like that the opponent, it's the process is improving. Exactly. I mean, this is a young unit and we can talk about um, their skill level and all this other stuff regarding them, like how, what kind of future they have. Well, we'll talk about that in the future, but it's still a unit where it's learning the scheme, the Mm -hmm. Like we said earlier, the defensive coordinator is still new. They're going through a transition. 
I just think you should give them credit. I don't necessarily think it's all about Detroit's poor play. And again, I've said it a couple times. Detroit was there in a Detroit's game plan was truly just inexplicable, but Carolina responded. Well, and they did. And, you know, it takes two to tango here. So there's always a cause and effect. Very rarely in the NFL does one team show up uh, with with four wins out of, what, nine. A pretty decent record. They're not terrible. They're not great. But they're in the playoff kind of hunt there. And offensively, to your point, they're in the middle, top middle of the pack there. There's a cause and effect always in the in, in this NFL game. You're not just seeing teams showing up and, and you know, dumping all over the field and uh, basically taking a giant crap uh, and, and playing bad football without something forcing their hand on that. And, and I think that's the, the takeaway here from a high level is Carolina did some things execution-wise that forced Detroit in some bad situations. Obviously, you know, one thing I talked about coming to this game, just looking at their offensive line, uh, you know, one of the weak spots, Taylor Decker, I did not think would have this bad of a game. Uh, you know, again, from a totality perspective, it wasn't terrible, but late in the game, he missed some key assignments there and he let uh, Burns run right by him at one point. Who knows what happened there? It's a collective effort on the line. But uh, Jonah Jackson, their left guard, I've had my eye on him. He's given up 16 pressures all year via PFF coming into that game. They've rated him out pass blocking wise at 28 yesterday. I felt that was a place they could win early on in terms of getting pressure. And I think they did a good job, uh, again, of Obata uh, getting him inside at three technique. Uh, Derek Brown, you know, again, I haven't seen too much tape here, Billy, so I'm not going to pass too much judgment. But I think they did a good enough job in the pass rush early on to throw Stafford off. Obviously, the, the big deep ball there to, uh, was it Hawkinson who caught the deep one that got called back? Um, I'm trying to recall who uh, Marvin Jones, Marvin Jones. Yeah. That they dodged a bullet there. I mean, again, you get those things. I mean, it was a penalty. Bullet. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, but, Hawkinson lined up Hawkinson and Jones both lined up on the line of scrimmage. Can't, can't do that. So yeah. I mean, certainly I, I would try to be a little more sympathetic to if the lines felt like it wasn't, but that was obviously a penalty clear, clear procedure penalty. And it, when you do that, it influences the defense. So you can't do that. And that could have had a cause, uh, an effect on what happened defensively for Carolina. But obviously, you know, they, they attacked them where they could in terms of that left guard spot. Uh, obviously, the secondary played a solid game. Jermaine Carter gave them some energy. Uh, but we'll start with the defensive line just from looking initially. We don't have the all 22 yet, so I can't speak too much to the individual guys here. But just looking at the grades, uh, you know, Burns obviously got a lot of pressure again. PFF credits him with three sacks, not two. So there's always a discrepancy there. But uh, just your impression of uh, run defense, pass rush, the whole nine yards, uh, the defensive line this week. Yeah, so the run defense was uh, was pretty fine. Um, I just felt like Detroit was uncreative, and when you're giving the ball to Adrian Peterson that much, then you're just asking for trouble. And I want, uh, I want just quickly, I wonder why that is because they they produced this year offensively. Has this yeah, been I mean, something from your experience? We talked to Jeff, I know Jeff Risden, but I don't think that's been like a trend for them, has it? Where early in games they they get stale. I mean, it just seems sort of like something without maybe DeAndre Swift and Galladay. Do you feel like that had an impact on maybe them being a little more bland and conservative? Was it the thumb with Stafford? What can you speculate as to maybe why this is how it went for them early on? I can't speak to that at all. Um, The only thing I can speak to maybe is, (laughs) I don't know. I really don't. Um, Yeah. DeAndre Swift has certainly played really well. So maybe if he was available, like they could have played a little better. I don't know. That's all I can think of right now. Unless I'm missing something. I haven't seen the tape yet. So I mean, we gotta look at that. The timing of the tape sucks with our broadcast because we'd love to get a full look at it and then give you guys a real good dive. But when we do look at it, Billy, as much as anybody will be able to tell you some things maybe that happened there in terms of scheme. But yeah, I thought it was a little bland, a little vanilla. Jermaine Carter, you know, he played, what, 31 snaps, uh, which is, you know, better than he has been. They graded him out as the highest defender on PFF, 84.2, which is outstanding. 
Uh, you know, Chen played very solid across the board. Uh, looks like in terms of coverage, he was better this week. And uh, But back to the defensive line, Zach Kerr, again, played pretty solid again. Austin Larkin yeah. getting some more activity there. Uh, and it's not a terrible offensive line. I mean, especially on the outside, they struggle a bit inside, I think, in terms of pass protection. They neutralize that at times. But again, they were able to attack Jonah uh, at left guard. But uh, I keep going back to Derek Brown once again. Um, he continues to be who he is. I mean, obviously, you draft a guy there to make an impact early on and to make big plays. They have him graded at three pressures yesterday on PFF, two hurries. Um, I, I'm not looking at sacks don't mean much to me. Really. I'm not worried about that. That's just stats. You know, I, I'd like to see eventually him get to the quarterback, maybe on his own. He's getting close at times. Um, but again, uh, Brian Burns. Uh, just on the edge. What can you say about this guy, Billy, that we haven't already said? Uh, yeah, five so, more pressures. Uh, it's just remarkable. Yeah, to get to the Brown point, one of the, a couple of those pressures that they credited him for were, were him like running down Stafford and hitting him, like when Stafford was already breaking the pocket. So, I mean, yeah. it sounds nice in theory, but it's essentially just him kind of chasing him down. Well, here, but here's back a to here's a question for you. This would be good for our listeners too, because they brought this up to me as well. When you look at pressure stats, do you go with the game book or, or like PF reference, football reference, or you go with PFF's pressure total stats? What, yeah, so what's the better uh, metric to go by there when you measure true pressure by a defensive lineman? Um, so a couple of things. Yeah, uh, I do use PFF, but, but they're a little more generous with their pressures because they credit half a pressure and they round it up to one. Gotcha. So I would wait a little bit. Um, PFR, uh, Pro Football Reference, yeah. they have the more accurate numbers, in my opinion. But I, I also do a lot of my own charting there. So, <laughs> Of course. Um, That's the way and, you do and it, and man. I, bust, yeah. bust out the film and, and do it yourself. I love it, man. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so get to, to back to your point about Burns. Yeah, I mean, there, there's just really not much else to say outside the fact that he's just been <laughs> phenomenal this year. We've been saying um, it all year. It's like I keep coming back to your quote from what right after the Tampa game when they were 0-2, but everybody's got to get on Brian's level. And it seemed like for weeks when they were just, you know, crapping themselves, giving up 40, and nobody was punting ever. He was the only one consistently just blowing things up. And all of a sudden this week, uh, for whatever reason, again, people will say Detroit, that's fine, but it can't be all that. You know, they, they just came together. And I think a lot of that, you know, again, my perspective on football is it goes hand-in-hand, hand, offense, defense, special teams, the energy feeds off one another. So again, you come out and you establish some big plays on offense, you rally behind that new quarterback, and then defensively your energy level's up. There's no crowd, so you got to generate some energy somehow, generate that juice, as they say. But they just collectively, as a unit, they played with not only tremendous energy, but they executed very well. I, I did. Are you seeing anything in terms of just mistakes that I'm not seeing? Because yesterday, that thought they were very sound overall. On defense? Yeah, just fundamentally and in terms of coverages and, and, and assignments. You know, it's funny, John. It's funny. The first week that Whitehead is out, this defense puts this ex- right. performance. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but that's no. You have to say way. it, John. You have to one, say it. One thing's not like the other. <laughs> so once fifty-two, as they call them, exit stage right. And I, you know, again, I don't know what the status is moving forward. I'm not, you know, nothing personal, but it's business. And gosh, what a difference it just makes to have fresh blood in there, man. They just look so much faster and on top of things and. So I'm know. saying, like, you just improve the personnel, yeah. things will get better. And I don't, I don't necessarily mean it's going to – like The worst-ranked linebacker by, you know, many measures, and uh, all of a sudden he's not, not in the game, and <laughs> another guy gets a chance to bring some energy. I mean, it's just not that hard to figure out. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, it's – I don't really know what else to say. I just think that – you know, the defense is going to get better and people need to be patient. I understand that everything, everyone wants like the satisfaction of things happening, like in the moment and all this stuff. I think we have enough data points on certain people to move on from such as Whitehead, such as um, I'm not going to name his name, but you know what I'm talking about. Wait a minute. This is an interesting discussion we're having here because we're getting, this is very good. We're getting to that last quarter of the season where things like this are going to start to be evaluated. They already have been by the team, but you and I can start talking about maybe some guys that just don't fit moving forward. I think Whitehead's definitely top of that list. 
But but who else do you see? Can you start naming some other guys yet? A little early for well, you. Well, one of them does not play for the team. He's a certain. You know who I'm talking about. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Gotcha. <laughs> He's in the executive suite. Oh, that guy. Oh, you're talking. You're talking about. Uh, oh, you're talking about Dave's buddy. Okay. Gotcha. The general manager. Oh, yes. Oh, everybody's favorite. Oh, yeah. Well, so, yeah, that's- uh, no, but but you, you get my point though. Like we have enough data points to determine who he is and what and I, I understand. And what he's about. We don't have an, that for Phil Snow. And sure. it's honestly, I'm going to keep bringing it up because I'm not really trying to take a victory lap here. And for all I know, like next week in Minnesota, they're going to give up 52 points. But let's that. just let this play out. I, I understand everyone wants the satisfaction of things happening, like I said in the moment. But he's adjusting. You saw more pressures yesterday. You saw the coverages mixing and matching. They're doing a lot more different exotic disguises before the snap. They're bringing two linebackers, mugging the A-gap and dropping back to confuse quarterbacks. Totally agree. Just let this play out, guys. I don't get why we have to fire everyone. And people will call me an apologist for coaches because I had the same stance on Mike Shula. But that's just a fact. And I, I think it's so difficult to judge what goes on inside that building we don't that know it's, it's, it's tough for me to have a stance Billy, on who should be Billy, Billy, man, fired, fans, who should stay. A lot of fans, Bill, you know, I mean, just be honest here. You know, I, I'm very delicate with calling fans out because they're just trying to enjoy the game. Most of them don't have the time and energy to, to really provide some depth analysis on what's going on. But let's just face it. There's a human element to this game of football that they don't weigh in at all when they talk about this in terms of how do the players feel about their coordinator? They seem to like him. They like rally around him. They like the the teaching points he's giving them. And there's a lot of good, you know, talk from inside that building from what I hear about Phil Snow from the player's perspective. And that matters to me that he's trying hard to put guys in good positions to get better. As a player, that's what you want more than anything. Coach, put me where I can be at my best and help me improve because that helps me extend my career, helps us win. They shut the Detroit Lions out. I don't see how we can have this discussion anymore. When you can look back at the season, okay, you know what? Ups and downs, the roster was razor thin at a lot of important spots. And for the first time since 2015, and, and only eighth time in their existence, they took a team and held them to zero points. So maybe just take a second, a deep breath, and folks need to get off their positions on this, quit defending positions, and just say, you know what? Maybe Phil can do this. Maybe Phil is the right guy. Maybe he's not. But what's not going to fire him after eight weeks? It ain't going to happen. Just a reality check is important for some people. Yeah, and, and, and like, I, I just, I don't understand the expectations they had, especially, like, I, <laughs> and this is maybe, exactly. I'm living inside my own little bubble here. Maybe people expected them to be a good defense. I don't know. Who? I'm just trying to give you my own opinion. And Billy, they, they, Billy, they've exceeded my expectations, even when they weren't forcing punts, just as a whole. I thought this would be a lot worse in a lot of areas. They kept that team in games at times, early in the season, when Bridgewater threw some picks at Tampa, they had some good moments. And then the Atlanta game, they did some good things to get mad. I mean, overall, for what they have to work with, I think Phil's done above average at, at worst. I really do. Yeah. I mean, that's that. <laughs> that's, just crazy. Yeah, that's where I stand. I'm, I'm with you. And I think things can be improved, but the yeah. hand wringing and just. The inability to think coherently here—it's—it's—it's it's, it's not something that I'm ever going to endorse, especially when it comes to firing coaches. If you want to talk, talk to anyone else about, and I'll try to do my best to keep keep it focused on, you know, how the team was progressing. Uh, I mean, doing these kind of victory laps probably doesn't do me any favors either. But <laughs> there's nothing wrong with taking a victory lap when you're right. I mean, shit. Uh, yeah, I don't take this as a victory lap. You're pointing out some analysis that was spot on and you're reminding folks, hey, you know, look, I'm not always right, but here's an area where I told you so. And maybe next time, give give me a little more credit that I know what just, I'm talking about. Just let this play out. Right. Every, like, let this play out. The team is not going to make the playoffs this year. I can, I can say that with certainty because it just looks like the hey, other teams now, are... listen, don't, don't crush my dreams. I'm already looking at the stand. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just yeah, I mean, even if they went out, I'm... I'm, I'm looking here. Look, nine and seven is not going to make it too far out of reach. Yeah. So just let this play out. I exactly. mean, the season is 16 weeks. We have five more weeks, five more games to go. Yeah, man. Enjoy the we journey can, as I've told people, man, because I, I've, it's, it's not going to be perfect. It was not, not perfect. Not. You played 
arguably the greatest quarterback of all time last week. The defenders were in the right positions. Yeah. They just struggled to make plays because they cur- the skill set of or the skill players of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were just elite. You're tied at halftime. You come inches away again from another strip sack. You're in these games against elite people. You took Pat Mahomes down to the wire as a team. I mean, these are you took the Saints down to the wire. Exactly. You you build on these things moving forward and you look back at the the missed opportunities and say, okay, yeah, in year one that's disappointing. That the you know Chicago game, things like that, where there may be three or four wins they left on the table, but nobody expected more than maybe five or six wins. So so this has been, again, draft position. I can't do that talk anymore. I can't because you get this part of the season. I don't have time for that bullshit. I can't start talking, oh, let's win these many games and lose these many so we can get in position to be fifth overall. That's not how this shit works. They built this team, obviously, with a competitive mindset in mind offensively. If they wanted to have Trevor, just start Will Greer and don't spend your money on Bridgewater. Don't spend your money on Robbie Anderson. They took a different approach. They are where they are. So I'm not worried about loss, wins, whatever. I'm worried about one thing. How do you look as you continue to build week to week? Do you look competent? Are you prepared? Are you overwhelmed? Are you scheming things up? Are your players prepared? Are they improving, especially the young guys? All of that I can say yes to right now. Uh, yeah. The Tampa game was a hiccup, but it's the best quarterback of all time putting 40 on you. You can't hold your head down too long on that one. They, they've done well this year, Bill. No, I, again, I, I agree. Um, it's but fire well, Phil Snow. I mean, that's the answer, right? Let's just yeah. Let's fire because no, he's, he's Phil Snow, and nobody knows anything about him, and they think he's a poor man's Dick LeBeau. Let's just fire him. That's just crazy talk, man. Yeah, just trying to be realistic. If it doesn't no go well fired. next year, then yeah. you could have that conversation. But no right now, it's fired. way too early. Twenty twenty has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor the job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Right now, go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Right, exactly. It's, it, yeah, I, I dismiss that because honestly, you know, you can talk about disagreeing with a certain concept or the way people are being used. You're not going to fire somebody halfway through their first year at coordinator. It's never going to happen. So at least not here. So just again, take a deep breath. folks. To quote Jim Zoki, I know you're listening, Jim, give it a minute. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, we've committed, they've committed to this type of restructure of the roster moving forward. Uh, a lot of it does seem to be working. Uh, I, I, I just don't know as we evaluate moving forward what they'll do at quarterback. And I guess we can, we can continue to dive into this. It, it can be nauseating at times for some. I get it. But it's very relevant because Teddy's got another year on this contract, and then they have the opt-out coming out. And this is why I keep saying to folks, look, you want to shut Bridgewater down and tank, go for it. But here's what, what, where you're at right now. Carolina is not going to do that because Carolina likes Teddy a lot. They love Teddy. They invest a lot in him. You know, Evan uh, Cooper, the, the assistant that said, hey, you know, Matt, you've got to get this guy. They were all in on Teddy from day one. They made it a priority. And I don't think they structured this contract to where they're tethered for life, obviously, but they're giving him two solid years to prove it. So every game he misses sets him back a little bit in terms of showing Carolina, uh, you know, look, I can be more than just a caretaker here. I can elevate this offense. I, I personally don't think he can do much more than he's done. I think uh, he, can he I, is. Can I- can I just say something on that? I was going to ask, what, what do you think about all that? And you know, you, in general, it's, it's certainly, it's certainly a, a sound argument. My, my only retort to that would be, we know what Teddy is. 
And we also know that because we know what Teddy is, his durability is a question. And we saw that this week. And again, I'm not blaming him for the injury. Right. Uh, but I mean, availability is Fair the best bill. ability. I didn't want to say it because I felt that I would get, you know, the double. No, I mean, it's, 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 it's certainly, it's not, you're not trashing the guy. I'm just saying like, this is a a fair concern. You're going to have, he's not, he's just not going to play 16 games. I don't think he's done it in a long time. And 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 certainly yesterday, he's not going to fit. I mean, might finish with 14 or 15 this year. I don't know, but um, that's, that's sort of where I stand. Are there some things that PJ couldn't do that Teddy does? I, I, your point about Bridgewater being, very good at processing yeah intermediate I, I think that goes unsaid a lot and i think it needs to be pointed out i've done my part in terms of film study showing folks look he's very good at this and it's not easy and i know you had him ranked i think as qb1 coming out of college for, for very much that reason because his brain it, it gives him an edge he's a good thinker out there in the game he's a student of the game very good quarterback and i don't think he's got a baby arm he's he's not have a noodle He's just, he's not a deep yeah, it's average at best. Yeah. Average is fine. But again, at some point, um, do you think it's how much importance do you put in vertical passing in general? Do you think it's an important thing they have to have it, in their arsenal? No, no, I, I don't, but okay. I do think you need to be able to stretch the field. Can he, or is he, what, what is it with him? He just chooses not to. Is it? Is it? I, is it it's, it's, I just think it's an ability, inability for him not to do it. He does not have the arm strength. I don't think we can sugarcoat that. Yeah. Uh, but I also don't think Carolina is using their receivers enough to um, really open up other parts of the field. Look at look at uh, Las Vegas and how they their offense is uh, playing right now. They yeah. drafted a guy number eleven overall, Henry Ruggs, who probably isn't having the production you'd like, but he has transformed that offense with his ability to stretch the field and open up the intermediate. Yep. to short areas for Derek Carr to exploit. And that's why you see guys like Aguilar and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, they're producing because coverages are dictating and they're following rugs because he's, you know, taking two or three defenders with them deeper. He's sometimes, you know, going across the field right. and it's leaving guys just wide open right now. I think Carolina, it's, it's they, they can do better at utilizing Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel. How, I'm not saying you should just have those guys run down the field yeah. and you'll get the same attention, but I think you have to also diversify a little bit. And again, that's not for me to decide that's for the coaches. And I, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to try to criticize them too much because offensively they're doing really well. No, they are. I mean, with, with Robbie in particular, I've looked at some of the uh, next-gen stuff with his routes here. And, again, it's it's less targets because other guys are getting more involved now. That's I have no problem with that. You made a point a few weeks ago about Brady maybe not spreading things as much as you thought he might. Can, can you still talk about that a little bit to our listeners here? Of course, the tight end position is just an absolute void right now. <laughs> they're, they're, it's just it's an empty it's an empty vessel right now. They are running some routes with these tight ends. Some of them are deep routes, and they're just not getting separation at times. And it's not really a, a good route concept at times to to feed them open. But what what do you make of of their I don't know the the route concepts from what you've seen on film. When it comes to like a Robbie Anderson, is he running too much stuff intermediate for his skill set? Do you think, or are they? What what can they do better specifically for each of these guys? Yeah, so like I said, I think that Anderson and Samuel they should really be used more vertically, in my opinion. Uh, right, DJ Moore is a more vertical route, and I think you saw that yesterday. He um, he did okay uh, a couple times, but uh, sure. but I just think that. In, in my opinion, the best way to utilize the strengths of the offense would be to um, have Anderson line Anderson and Samuel lined up outside and more put DJ Moore in the slot uh, a little more. And, and then maybe you can have, you know, uh, more success kind of, you know, diversifying the route concepts, especially vertically. Yeah. It's interesting to, uh, to look at that, but I'm glad you brought that up a couple of weeks ago and I've been looking at it on tape and trying to figure out, okay, what what can they do with uh, the tight end spot again? I, I think they'll just have to at some point upgrade it. I'm starting to see a little less uh, optimism from my view when I look at Ian Thomas. Uh, I'm not down on the guy. Look, I'm just saying, yeah, it's just obviously I think they, they lack a certain element of confidence there. Um, mm-hmm. And you're coming off a of Greg Olson era, so obviously there's going to be a dip. But 
and and Elson had been that healthy, obviously, but even 17, 16, 15, those years, he was just lighting it up. So you have to get used to, again, as a fan looking at it and saying, okay, there's not a lot of tight end involved. In fact, there's almost none at all. But you're right with the big three. uh, Robbie should be getting vertical a little more, I think. And, And DJ's doing a decent job to your point, but that's not his best place to service this offense i think inside we've talked right. about the slot get it to him a little quicker his run after catchability is off the charts so you can just bully people left and right and curtis obviously can do a little bit of everything so uh i had this question posed to me last week i guess i'll, I'll top off this wide receiver discussion what do you think about this trio moving forward have you seen enough to know if this is a group you'd like to keep together as a uh, I, I certainly Wale, would what do you think i mean robbie it, i saw this discussion pop up yesterday some people were saying that you shouldn't pay Curtis Samuel because you have Robbie Anderson. And I'm just like, right now, yes, like Anderson might be a little more productive and we can debate who's been better as a talent. Different players. Robbie has one more year left on his contract and after this season. And Curtis is younger and has more potential. So I think I would rather keep the younger, more guy who's playing with more potential in my opinion frankly he's a lot more versatile and does a lot more things better than Robbie Anderson and that's not to take anything away from Robbie I think we know what he does well and he's a very accomplished wide receiver so just sign re-sign him I think you can re-sign him you can re-sign DJ Moore and then you have Robbie for one more season I I don't really necessarily see the harm in that you don't think he can keep both do you that's gonna be a little pricey right Curtis and uh, uh, Robbie Curtis and Robbie. Uh, yeah. yeah, that might be a little pricey, but I, I would rather keep Curtis if that if it were to come down to that. Yeah, I, I do like a lot of what Robbie brings here, but I think when you see him not as vertically involved, you start to understand the, the one-dimensionalness. Not totally one-dimensional. He's done some good things there inside. Yeah. But again, if you're relying on a guy to be your deep shot guy and your quarterback is Teddy Bridgewater, who doesn't specialize in that type of performance – Obviously, it, there's a disconnect there. So uh, I I do think it's worth examining at some point. That, that Robbie has done a nice job, again, of coming in and giving this offense a different dynamic. But uh, I think Curtis is somebody they need to continue to prioritize because he gives you yeah. value. He said he's not the same player as Robbie. He does a lot of different things across the field. So mm-hmm. to your point, they've got to do that. Just one more time going through the <laughs> – before we get out of here, the ball possession and drive chart, my favorite sheet on the whole game book here. Uh, punt, fumble, punt, punt, end of half, punt, punt, missed field goal, downs, downs. Um, I, I'm just going to leave you with this here as we wrap up. Of course, it's a big Thanksgiving week here, and you got another game coming up uh, with the Vikings for Carolina. I'll say this as we uh, as we end up here, uh, Billy. I, I just am totally impressed once again. Uh, exceeding my expectations is Matt Rule. It all starts with the head coach establishing a very competent group of people around him, many of whom I I didn't know much about and had some questions about. And it's obvious that this is a well-coached team. Obviously they've had some hiccups with clock management, but it hasn't been a pervasive, you know, consistent thing that has just been uncurable. They've cleaned that up. And I'm really impressed by how these coaches have meshed with these players. I don't agree with every move they've made. I I still have a lot of doubts about Bridgewater long-term, but it's not an unbelievable contract that can't be negotiated. So it gives them a window. And I think defensively, to your point, I I, I would never, ever call for a first-year coordinator to be terminated halfway (laughs) through a season where they're competitive. So I, I, it's fans are going to be restless. It's been a weird, weird season for a lot of fans who still hold a lot of grudges against this organization. I understand it was a bitter off season for a lot of people. It's time to maybe again, fan how you want to fan. I'm not going to tell you, but if you want to see good football, you're probably going to get some in the next few years. Cause I've seen this rebuild happen before. And I've seen Carolina go through this transition. And in year one, when you can win some games and you can dominate some teams and stay competitive and maybe squeak out five, six wins and upset a few people late in the season, that stuff matters. It matters to coaches. It resonates with players. It resonates, again, with your fan base, ultimately, that you're staying competitive. If you could get Trevor, sure, you can't. If you could get uh, Fields, great. You're not in position right now to do that. So accept what you can accept right now, deal with what you got, and enjoy the fact that you've got a football team right now that, unlike last season where things were rotting 
on the vine at the end of the year with a bunch of veterans that were from Renna Center. <laughs> You've got a young, hungry team that looks like they can compete in a very aging division right now. That's my takeaway from where they're at heading into the fourth quarter of the season. Billy Marshall, as we close up, what do you think? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Again, just let this play out. And um, yeah, I'm all for people having um, you know, their own opinions on, on certain subjects. And if, if you feel like some of the things that we say are controversial, such as Phil Snow is doing a good job and shouldn't be fired, then by all means, you're entitled to that opinion. I just felt like it was a little premature. I know you felt similarly. And let's just give it a little more, give them another offseason to get some more high end talent. I compare John's comparing this to the 2002 Panthers. That's fair enough. I, I see a little differently. I see this process um, becoming similar to how the 49ers under Kyle Shannon a few years ago were coming along. Um, everyone, all their fans, they wanted Robert Sala fired after the first year. And now look at Sala. He's like one of the highest in demand coaches in the NFL. Exactly. I mean, just give the guys some talent. And then, you know, from there, Maybe like Salah, Phil Snow will be a head coaching commodity in a couple years. I'm not saying he will be. I'm just saying let's just be a little more patient with right. the entire team as a whole. One one thing I think you and I try to do, and we're not perfect, but we try to to take a, take a close look at things before we make a judgment on it. At least I know I do that. I, I followed your work for years, and I think you agree with me on this, that before you put something out there in the hot take ventilator, just understand – your words have consequences for your reputation and for how fans take it. So before you start talking about oh, fire, this guy, fire that guy, let's look at the facts. And I do this with Bridgewater too. Now again, we're going to close out here, but Teddy, of course, the vertical stuff drives me nuts at times, but you have to go back to the fact that the team was not allowing, it was not getting off the field at all defensively. So they were able to consistently stay with teams despite that. And that's a testament in, in many ways to what Teddy was able to do late in games to keep them in it. So you can look at one side and say, they're not vertical enough. And I'm beating, beating that drum too. I'm looking at some of these routes and saying, just get them the ball downfield a little more. But at the same time, there's another side to it too. And it's the same thing with Phil Snow. You're exactly right. Uh, and it's important just before you panic about one thing, people say, well, I don't like what Phil Snow's doing. Okay, well, what don't you like about it? Oh, the three-man rush. Okay, well, let's talk about this a little more and break down why you think you're right about this. I think folks have a hard time sometimes rationalizing why they don't like somebody or something. They just need a target to be mad at. And that's fans. It's going to happen. But yes, I think they're, uh, the, the 49ers reference is very spot on, Billy. I think more from a symbolic perspective of where this franchise has been, I'd look back, not stylistically, but more how to build in year one, getting some quality wins under your belt, uh, You know, being a tough team on defense. They're starting to prove they can hang with some teams now on that side of the ball. So it's important that they, of course, show themselves as a unit that will presumably be around together for a while that they can be competitive. And, and I think laying an egg year one would have set them back a little bit, even if they got a quarterback, but we can have that debate for a long time to come here. So uh, again, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I guess we'll talk to you guys uh, after Thanksgiving comes up. Uh, this is on a Monday now, but uh, a great win for Carolina. Got a lot to look forward to here as we uh, get prepared for another big game against the Minnesota Vikings. Another chance to watch this team uh, grow together and, and evaluate. So again, happy Thanksgiving. Hope everybody's just safe and well, wear your masks, all that good stuff and take care of one another. For Billy Marshall, John Ellis, right here on the Roar Podcast. Have a great week and we'll see you next time. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team and player coaching prompts, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign on bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at Bet Online. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters, the more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? 
What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.